Greg, Greg, the, the blimp's gone. The blimp's been stolen. It hasn't been stolen. The comedy blimp has been stolen. It hasn't been stolen. I took it. You, you, you're not heading now to do another interview without me, are I you? I promised after the second one. Actually, I promised after the first one, but I, definitely after the second one. <sighs> no more interviews without you. I've been given a contract teaching physics in country Queensland. So I'm taking the smart enough to know about a comedy blimp to country Queensland. Oh, wow. That's great news. I didn't realise there were any airports in Queensland that had actual facilities for landing a blimp of our uh, antiquity. Are you turning around? Yes. Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 12 of episode Smart 12, Enough to Know Better. 12, episode 12. Episode 12. It's here. Woo. You know what that means. It's episode 12 and it's here. Yeah. That's almost a whole year. Almost a whole year. Isn't it a year? Have we done a year yet? No, it wouldn't be a year until we started recording the 13th. Oh, I see. Oh, because so, we would have started in June. Yes. Oh, it's not June yet. <gasps> but still, this is pretty impressive. We've reached that milestone of podcasts of making it almost to a year. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Did you want to talk anything about your uh, new job? I have a new job. Ladies and gentlemen, you'll be pleased to know that I'm no longer an unemployed teacher of physics. I'm now an employed teacher of physics. I'm in your children's minds and corrupting them from the inside with physics. So next time your children walk in and say, Bernoulli effect, blame me. (laughs) In fact, I did teach the Bernoulli effect teaching it to, nice. to the grade 11s. And I said, so what's the Vanilli effect? And this kid said, it's the reason planes fly. And I went, wrong! Wrong! And if you listen to my podcast, you know! No, I didn't say that at all. But I went, well, it's a part of the Possibly reason. Possibly too much swearing in this p- podcast <laughs> yes. to uh, introduce year, year yes. nine kids to it. Yes, oh, grade 11, they're fine. But no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't tell them about it. Yes, I, I pointed out that... They'd was, probably just get offended that we bleeped out the F words. Sir, <laughs> <laughs> so you forgot to f- Oh, God. I don't, I'm not the one who swears this podcast. You're Captain McSweary Pants. Bullshit! <laughs> uh, yes, that's Captain it. Captain McSweary Pants. Yes. I've actually got some of them on order. <laughs> they bleep you out <laughs> downstairs. They, they sense some of my rude parts. <laughs> I, I like, they really do. I like the idea they just constrict every time you swear. So you're like, oh, beep, oh, oh. It teaches you. It's, it's a negative reinforcement. They're just clear latex with black panels across the dirty bits. <laughs> that's what... That's what those are. Have you seen the sunglasses that are like that? You can get sunglasses that, that are a black band right across your face. Oh, nice. And you can see through them, and it block, but it blocks the light, so you can't see, see the other way. So it looks like you're protecting your identity. Like, this person can't be seen on television. You can walk around <laughs> with your sunglasses on. Awesome idea. I want them. I want a jacket that's made up of pixels. <laughs> so you can put it over your head. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> This, this man must be a criminal because we pixelated him. We hey, pixelated the jacket that was covering his identity. John, who was that guy walking past the camera? He must be someone important. We pixelated him. Now, it has been a big month for Smart Enough to Know Better. Has it? It has. Because if you remember, towards the beginning of the month, we actually had a listener by the name of Luke Bunyip post an article about us on Wired.com. Yes, we are on. We so are hello on. to all the new listeners. And Geek Dad. That's who it was. Geek Dad. Yes, on part of Wired. Wired.com, yes. 
it's very exciting, it was, and, and we got a lot, a lot of nice feedback from it. Yeah. And people seemed to like what we did. And, yes. And they had some constructive criticism, and there were some sweary mad people. Yes. <laughs> There's always sweary mad. It's the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think of them twenty percent sweary mad. It's, I like to think of they're the foundations. Yes, I think the internet is built on sweary mad people, yes. and then we have to build the edifices above them. Yes, hopefully cement them in. Yes, and obviously right. your, your foundation should be cemented in. That's right. And after a while, they die, and then they turn into just bones, and it is solid, and they turn into oil, and we can um, dig them up. Indeed. So big thank you to Luke. Uh, Luke was quite intrigued by our competition. Yes, our extremely unsuccessful competition. <laughs> Don't do that. To just... have people from other countries send us their accent and their version of an Australian accent. And you know what our problem was? What was you know your problem? problem is, Dan? Tell me you, my problem. You know your problem? Not my problem. Your problem with this competition, Dan. Yeah, go on. That's your real name. Actually, it is. It is. It? it is, yeah. I should, that's throwing stones, really. I should probably not do that. Yeah. Anyway, the problem, Dan, was we had lots of people who wanted to get in the competition. Yeah. But we're Australians, and yep. of course, most people who listen to us are 75, 80% Australians at yep. this point. We haven't gone pandemic yet. Not yet. <laughs> so uh, many people wanted to get in the competition. Yes. But they were Australians. And Very we, angry people. And we shot a lot of our, a lot of, shot ourselves in the foot and therefore stopped a lot of our listeners from being a part of it. Yep. How dumb are we? Yep. Greg Wah and Dan Beeston are not smart enough to know better. No. When it comes to competitions. Okay. But we do have two entries. Two. That's two. Two entries. And is that, look, hang on. Let, wait, wait. From two countries. Wait, wait. Let me check the, the official book of competitions. That's enough sound effect? Yeah, there are plenty of sound effects. Excellent. Good. The official book of competition states two entries is a real competition! The, the problem with that sound effect is it, it, it sounds like rather than looking up notes, it sounds like you're being attacked by doves. <laughs> that's, that's where the... Which is how you check. Yes, yeah, right. Strangely enough, it's written on the bottoms of low-flying doves. It's so the competition never dies, and it's only for peace and not for war. Oh. So, without any further ado, why don't we have a listen to the entries? I'm so excited! Okay, the first entry is from Brad Sandman. Sandman. That's awesome. That is kind of nice. I wish I had an awesome name like Brad Sandman. He'd have a tr- I'd have a truck, and I'd go to the beach, and I'd, and I'd, I'd surf. That's what I'd do. Rather than, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't all be cool with names like Beeston. Yeah, well, you can't even be cool with a name like, why, you made-up fictional person, you. <laughs> I don't exist. It's just me with a voice. That's right. I am Tyler Durden for Dan's narrator. Jack. That's- his name isn't Jack! God damn it, you... Oh, he sent me off. He knows his name's not Jack. It's the narrator. You know it's the narrator. The books are Jack. He didn't write the books. He found the books in the house. You ready? Yes. So, Mr. Sandman, we're gonna send us to... a dream. We're... Oh, I'm sorry. I should have done a terrible joke. Brad Sandman, we, we, are, we are about to mimic your accent. We have to hear it first. Well, we do have to hear it first. From that point on, we're talking like Brad Sandman. Straight away. Straight away. Oh, no. I'm really bad at this. Hi, this is Brad Sandman, originally from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area in the United States. I am recording an entry for the Smart Enough to Know Better Australian Accent Competition. Okay, this is the deal. Are you from a place that isn't Australia? We want to hear you try to do an Australian accent. We shall delight in the cheeky bad ones, we shall applaud the good ones, and we shall embarrass ourselves trying to speak like you. We need to hear your original accent. Say a sentence or two that can help us mimic your original dialect. We need you to try speaking a handful of lines of dialogue in what you see as an Australian accent. If you would like your voice to appear at the front of an episode, you can also record the line, Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. <laughs> you ready? Here we go. Okay, so this, this, 
So you can hear the difference. <laughs> Here are our accents, which you've been listening to the whole time. And now I'm talking in the same kind of accent that Brad Sandman was using. Originally Thanks from very Philadelphia. much to Brad Sandman from Philadelphia of the United States for posting in an entry, the, our very first entry. He found out about us from the Wired.com entry uh, and, article on the internet. And I better say something, otherwise the competition doesn't work at all. I like the fact that he uh, he used our name smart enough to know better, and he was quite willing to come onto our, our podcast and do an Australian accent for us and allow us to mimic, hopefully, his Philadelphian accent. <laughs> and, uh, I, hope, I hope that you laughed just as much as I did. <laughs> <laughs> amazing rendition of the Australian accent. That's right. And I hope you're enjoying this one just as much. So, uh, I think we sound pretty much like Philadelphians do. Uh, I feel like I want to go out and buy a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking my Maybe mind... Maybe a lot of deep-fried fast food. I, I, I can't... I can't... And uh, not keep slaves. It's the North. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't even the accent. Oh, no. The... Uh, the, the the, uh, I kept thinking it's kind of like the New York accent, but the New York accent is, is sort of tougher, stronger, or, or, or at least more grating. The, the Philadelphia accent is quite a nice accent, quite quite a nice way. Well, he's a, a nice voice, and he speaks in a nice way. I think it's the exact same accent, except that in New York, they're just assholes. <laughs> so, really, the difference... Hang on, this is my Philadelphia accent. Hey, I'm here in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> quiet, quiet! Wait... Now, now that's here's, what makes it a Philadelphia accent, because that's how they introduce themselves. <laughs> and, and now here's my New York accent. Hey, I fucking kill you. I'll kill you, you mother... Oh, Hi, I, Mom. It's Brad from Philadelphia. Philadelphia. <laughs> you had me in Philadelphia. We had to keep saying it to each other so we can actually remember how to say it properly. Mine's kind of mutating every time I speak. I have no <laughs> idea where I am anymore. Mine's just wildly going off in the wild. I'm kind of, I think I'm entering the Midwest now. Uh, I'm just traipsing around America with my crazy accent. I, I really like Fred's pushing down on the, on, on the oi sound. Yes, we all sound like that. That's good. Look, good, well done, Brad Sandman, for having an excellent name and for having a wonderful accent and for actually giving Australian accent a go. It's and can a- I just say, you are in the lead, sir. <laughs> Our next entry... Oh, he's, do- he's going on with it. Dan's, Dan's becoming a Philadelphian. Our next entry is Mr. Carrington Vanston. That's another great name. Oh. Carrington Vanston? I know. We are followed by people with awesome names. Now, Carrington, uh, you may actually recognize his name because he was the author and illustrator of a very popular webcomic by the name of Movie Punks. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, okay. You have told me about this and I have seen it. Indeed. And indeed, he's ha- he has a number of podcasts of his own and has, in some of his podcasts, actually inspired elements of our podcast. You mean we ripped him off totally? We... S- my last podcast that has nothing to do with science. Had, my throat is going to die soon. My last podcast had nothing to do with science. We probably should stop the accent because there's people out there in Philadelphia going, "We hate you." Because <laughs> we might think we're close, but that um, Mr. Sandman would have thought he was close. Yeah. And so when you're in that place, it's like Scottish people. When I do a Scottish accent, I've had a, my Scottish brother-in-law say, "Was that Pakistani?" <laughs> Like he really thought I was doing Pakistani accent, so... Hmm. All right. Uh, so, where did I get up? Carrington, oh, yes. yes. So, Carrington did uh, a brilliant podcast uh, full of comedy sketches by the name of the Monster Feet Variety Show, mm-hmm. which you can't find if you go searching for it, but I'm going to provide a sneaky link to the Ooh. RSS feed that still exists so you can download them. Don't tell Carrington. <laughs> but if, he, you do, if you do it in his accent, it might confuse him, and he'll think he did it. Ooh. Now, Carrington also <laughs> does a podcast all about vintage Apple computers... 
Like the things that just show <laughs> black and and green screens. Oh, oh my high school days. He loves that stuff. Oh, that's so I listen to them because I like Carrington's voice. But I've never dealt with an old Mac, and it's very confusing to listen to. But he's also started a new podcast I haven't got the chance to listen to, which is all about movie reviews. Because Carrington's yeah. big into movies, and he's making his own film with some friends of his, and very exciting stuff. I just thought of something, Dan. Go on. My brain just clicked. I'm still thinking about Brad Sandman's... I'm just keep saying his name. Brad Sandman. Brad Sandman. Sandman. Brad Sandman's entry. I think he's copying you more than he's copying me. Uh-oh. I think, I just, my brain went, oh, I know what he's doing with the vowels. You have a broader accent than me, Australian accent than me. You, you have a more Australian accent than I do. Mine's sort of vaguely, weirdly British mm-hmm. because my parents. You're embarrassed. I, I'm, I'm not. You're embarrassed of your heritage, mate. <laughs> That's it. It's just, it's just, I have British parents. I can't help it. Hear that, Americans? I have British parents and you defeated them. Uh, who cares? Right, moving on. That's history. <laughs> but I think he's picking up on your vowels. Uh, they, they're not saying they're close. I'm sorry. Sorry, Brad. But... <laughs> But, oh, we're not getting any entries no, after this. No. But, but, but I, I think he sounds more like you than he sounds like me. All right. That's my guess. All right. All right. Well, let's move on to Carrington's entry. Carrington Vanston. Awesome name. Hello, Greg and Dan. This is Carrington, your fellow podcaster, skeptic, and resident of a former British colony, though I'm up here in Chile, Canada, eh? Love your podcast. And here is my attempt at an Australian accent. Gregoire and Dan Beesden are smart enough to know better. Now, you'll notice I resisted the urge to throw in words like crikey, and I mentioned neither shrimp nor Barbies. Hopefully, you'll show similar restraint when you try your hands at a Canadian accent. To get in the right mindset, might I suggest you dress like a lumberjack or a Mountie, drink a lot of beer, eat a lot of maple syrup, feel an uncommon affinity for beavers and moose, and under all circumstances, be polite, even during a bar fight. That's just how we roll. Anyway, good luck with that, and I love your show. Keep up the good work. <laughs> go, you did the first last time, so I'll, I'll go this time, because we were embarrassing ourselves. So, so Carrington gave us an accent, and, and it was a, a Canadian accent, northern Canadian accent. Oh, I, I can already know this is bad. Okay. And Carrington's from Toronto, he, eh? <laughs> don't from do a... that. Don't say... He, he, asked us, <laughs> he asked us to be polite, so we can't do the A joke, because that's not very nice, is it? Eh? Well, don't... I'm being plenty polite, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so Carrington, Carrington Vanston has very nicely joined our competition and given us a Canadian accent, and I'm having a lot of trouble with the Canadian accent because I don't hear it on television all the time. And also, it seems to have affinities with the British accent, so... My mouth keeps trying to throw it to British, which it's it's all going kind of wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the the odd thing about what Carrington pointed up about how friendly Canadians all are is <laughs> you sound like a hick. Oh God! <laughs> you sound like a hick in a village. <laughs> <laughs> so come on, say come on. And that's not saying all Canadians sound like hicks in villages. I'm just saying dandums. The odd thing is that. When, oh <laughs> when, when they're out there with their moose and their yeah, maple, maple syrup, I, um, the, the thing is that they're like the kindest and sweetest people in the world. Most of the Canadians I've met in my life have been nothing but good-natured to me, eh? And yet at the same time, their national pastime involves a sport, involves sliding around on ice with knives on their feet, punching the living crap out of each other. I think that's the point, though, with Canadians. Take it all to the rink, and then they just slam each other with, in hockey as much as they can and do as much damage as quickly as, like, breaking collarbones and swinging at head height and just basically beating each other to bloody pulps. But at the end of it... <laughs> this is not working. At the, 
at the end of it, they can all go home and, and have their bacon and their maple syrup, which is, I must admit, I, I'm, I'm a vegetarian. I don't even eat meat. But even I understand the genius of bacon and maple syrup. And I, and I, stop it. And I quite like bears. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to. <laughs> Hang on. So you do. I'll do <laughs> oh, crap. I'll do, the, I'll do the Canadian. You do Sandman. Okay. If you'd like to. Oh, I don't even remember it now. <laughs> Philadelphian accent. Philadelphian accent? Yes. If you'd like to enter our competition, just feel free to send us a sound file with both your original accent and you doing an Australian accent. And if you want to... If you want to sound like us making fools of ourselves doing fake Canadian accents, eh? Then you, then you need to say, Greg Barr and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Send it, of course, to greg at smartenough.org. Or dan at smartenough.org. I just went California, California, didn't I? yeah, yeah. You dan at smartenough.org. I just like to say, we are the worst accent people in the world. Yeehaw! <laughs> Gather round, children. Gather round, and Peppa Cicada will tell you a story. Yay! What story, Peppa Cicada? <laughs> I'll tell you a story how I helped the owner of this house. You helped human Stella? I sure did. Human Stella had to fly to New York for work, but unlike us clever insects, humans have to use airplanes to fly. Human Stella had to fly to New York, and then she had to fly straight home. Her internal clock was all out of whack. She didn't know if she was coming or going. I played her a funky little riff that went a little like this. It helped her children because that was the day Stella got her circadian rhythm back. This person is, and always will be, Mr. David Harris. Dan, who is David Harris? David Harris was the founding author of Symmetry magazine back yes. in the day. A science magazine. Yep. Very good science magazine, actually. And now he has started up his new online magazine called Sciatica. Sciatica, yes. You can find it online if you look up Sciatica, S-C-I-A-R-T-I-C-A. And Sciatica is really interesting because he believes in the melding of science and art, which I really believe in. I'm, I'm mm. a person who really believes in people go, oh, I'm only an artist or I'm only, an, I'm only a scientist. They go, that's rubbish. I think you can join these things together. In fact, yeah. you have to, to, to communicate well to yeah. people. You have to use both. Use all sorts of interesting media. We are Pan Simeon, the storytelling ape. That's right. Pandaran. Pandaran? That's what I was always told. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah, Pandaran. That's in narrative ape. 
Oh, yes, yes. good. Yes. And because that's how we communicate. So you get we numbers and stuff, stories. but you've got to tell stories. Let's Put it into context. In fact, stories most of your teaching about. is about context. Indeed. Otherwise, people get bored. Now, David believes in this very strongly, and we had a very nice chat to him about education in Australia, education in the U.S., and what he felt the future of education, of science education, would be. So let's get straight to it. Well, we're very excited to have here uh, Mr. David Harris. <laughs> Yeah, that's the name I usually go by. It, it, it changes, but it'll do for now. Can I just point out that even in the annals of Smart Enough to Know Better Entries, that's the worst start I've ever done. That was... <laughs> I was going to say, let's restart, but no, I'm going for I'm pushing through. Okay. Oh, I know. So, David Harris, you are the editor-in-chief until recently. Are you still the editor-in-chief? Uh, no, actually, I've just finished doing oh. Damn it, it's about, why would you give up such an amazing title? Editor-in-Chief! <laughs> Probably because I'm going to be editor-in-chief of another amazing title, which oh. is a work in progress, still to come. It's funny how you put in-chief at the end of something, and it automatically sounds like they're armed. <laughs> now, the thing is, we started this podcast, Dan, and we could have really called ourselves Editors-in-Chief. Why did we not do that? Like, we could have little cards. We're idiots. We oh, could have been like Dan Beeston, editor-in-chief. And, well, can you can get two editors-in-chief? That doesn't work, does it? Well, you probably could. Share the chieftain hat around. Okay, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You, you do know. have a hat, don't you, that you wear? He, he, Dan's wearing it right yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, this interview hasn't got off started well. Okay, so David, David Harris is, a, is the editor-in-chief, was editor-in-chief of Symmetry magazine. We'll still put the link in because it's a pretty cool magazine. Sure. We should oh, promote okay. it as much as we can. He is, well... Tell us about yourself, David. Why should I tell the world about you? Please. Why? Explain yourself. <laughs> Explain my existence. Look, we come to your house. What the hell, David? Just about well, yourself, David. So, in the beginning, there was this hot ball of plasma that expanded, created the universe. Plus five, plus five. So, uh, basically, I'm really into science, and I'm really into hanging out with creative people who are also into science, talking about it, doing fun things with it, and just seeing what we can come up with. And this has taken various forms over the years. I've worked in radio and television, online, print, newspapers, magazines, basically telling stories of science however I can, because that's a lot of fun to do because you know what better job is there than finding out about all the cool stuff in the world and picking out the very coolest stuff and telling other people and so that's, that's what I do and, and that's what we kind of do yeah. oh, oh my god blowing things up is more, that's more exciting that's the bit that's, yeah when I was a kid science is about blowing things up well that's my side hobby you know people don't pay me to do that so much <laughs> in fact they send the police around to stop you as often as they can yeah well that's anyway we won't talk about that but, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what I question I wanted to ask about because you've had a lot of experience now in Australia and in the Americas. What do you think is the science literacy like at the moment uh, with, <laughs> in those two countries? Uh, and so, compare them both. Right. Well, I, I think it's hard to even talk about the idea of literacy. It's so poor, uh, wow. particularly in the in the US. <laughs> I've been out of Australia for ten years now, so I'm not exactly sure. There are some pretty worrying signs I see in Australia, though, as it seems to be following the US's path. It's but, text messaging, which I blame. All this lols to wow nonsense. Thank you, Granddad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, maybe though, maybe it's an excuse to get into chemistry because there are all these short formulas so people oh, can text I like that. chemistry you, formulas just back and forth. You've been down by Dad. High five, Dad. Hey. Yeah. Don't I'm high five with, against me. I'm going to be with David now. He's much better than you. Do you want to do a podcast together? Oh, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> fine. I'm going to go off and do my own podcast <laughs> with hookers and cocaine. <laughs> Oh, well, that's, you know, you can definitely get, you're science. definitely going to have to have the editor-in-chief title for that because, you know, it comes with the job. And, and, yeah. And, and, actually, no, I'm going, I'm going to join Dan again. Sorry, Dan. I've got hookers and, and cocaine and science. Yeah. Uh, my line should be, smart enough to know that hookers, cocaine, 
and science. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm talking about David. So, what were we talking science, about? Science, science literacy, literacy yeah. in America and, and Australia. Yeah, uh, so it, it's pretty worrying in the US, frankly. People just don't really know very much, and they don't really seem to care. Where science comes into things is to, to back up a bunch of preconceptions that will fit their political or religious beliefs. You know, religion der- drives so much thought in the US, it's kind of amazing. We get that kind of idea through the media here in Australia, watching different things. Is that that's actually a, a, an honest take of the, of the American psyche? I, I think it is for large parts of America, not necessarily everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I, I live in this hotbed of heathens and people destined for hell, which is the San Francisco Bay Area. Ooh. So it's a little different uh, around there. they sailors but... there. That's all I see. I've never been to San Francisco. I, I think it's at the airport once. Oh, was at New York, New York. I just assume that there are dancing sailors everywhere. Well, there are plenty of sailors and plenty of dancing. I don't know the sailors are always dancing, it's, except it's, in it's, certain clubs. There's a Venn diagram. That's right, yeah, yeah. Diagrams. Ooh, well done. Venn diagram. Somewhere there's sailors and there's dancing. There has to be Well, there, there are a couple of clubs that are known for it, so uh, we'll make sure we, we send you there yeah, when you San Francisco, because uh, we know that's right where you'd fit in. <laughs> When people start making fun of my hat, <laughs> it's the chieftain's hat. So, is the scientific community, or the government, or in America anyway, trying to uh, arrest and reverse the illiteracy? Yeah, you know, a lot of people are really working very hard on this problem, but it's a difficult thing to do because it turns out that you can't use rational arguments against mm. people who don't believe in rational arguments. It's <laughs> and it's not even so much; it's not necessarily the, the facts of science that are the problem. I mean, if, if all you had to do is let people know what the science is, mm. you, you can solve that. You can find ways to get information to people. The problem is when they don't believe in the scientific method or process, that there is no status given to expertise, yes. pretty much in any field, but science mm. in particular in, in certain cases, it's a real problem. That said, some of the best scientists in the world and best science in the world is happening in the States, and That's it's partly because yeah. the, the country is so big, you've got some of everything. Mm. And, and so 350 million people. So yeah, maybe not quite that, but it's, it's getting It's also there. a place yeah. where if you put aerosol cheese on the shelves, someone's going to buy it. Like, the technology that went into aerosol cheese. Oh, I see, right. So in, in the first month, I had an aerosol cheese experience. My first month in the US. So we had people around, and they insisted that we try aerosols, you know, spray cheese in a can. But we said, well, okay, we're going to do this, but only if you eat Vegemite. Oh, oh no. And uh, I think they were more disgusted with the Vegemite than and I was with the spray cheese in a can. I must have, I must have, this is why I'll never be a true Australian. I was born in this country, but my parents weren't, and I'm a first generation. I'm a boat person. They take that. I'm a boat person <laughs> in a literal way. Vegemite just doesn't work for me. I, must admit, I, I can't eat Vegemite. It, it's horrendous. And, I, and once again, when I've travelled around the world and you get someone, some smart aleck who pulls out Vegemite and goes, hey, foreigners, eat this Vegemite. It's like chocolate. And they go, it's brown. Is that like chocolate? And they go, nodding. And you don't do that. It's brown <laughs> is like chocolate. It's, it's a gelatinous, salty mass. I think it's fantastic that as a country we can invent a product where you basically scrape the crap off the bottom of a beer barrel and market it. <laughs> In jars, it's like the Native Americans when they when they kill the bison and they eat all the bison. Like you, you make all the beer. <laughs> we are, well, we can't just we waste kill, it. We eat all the yeast. We eat all the yeast. We eat all the yeast. <laughs> well, right. for our American, for our American audience and our European audiences, don't eat Vegemite. <laughs> 
Seriously. No, no, you should. It's excellent. Quiet, so it's all ills. It's a very good source of vitamin B. It is. It so is. if you are constantly inhaling nitrous oxide or laughing gas, your body will leach vitamin B. And so, yeah, have some Vegemite just to restore that. <laughs> and you're also fortunate if you're in America that now you can eat Vegemite again because it was actually banned for a time. It's banned didn't last very long. Is it really? And, it and I'll tell you why. <laughs> it was banned because vitamin B is also very high in folate, which is a very important thing for, say, pregnant women to, to eat and you get lots of it from green leafy vegetables, this kind of thing. Folate's really good for you. Uh, but it turns out it's also a regulated, not not vitamin, but right. whatever it is, yeah, I, I yeah, don't yeah, know the, the yeah, correct um, term for it. Because it's so high in it, this was classified as something that needed to be regulated and hadn't gotten all the approvals, and so Vegemite was banned for a time. Vegemite, That's right, there was this huge outcry from Australians in the US, and it took only a matter of months to overturn this ban, so people could start breathing in again. You get, like, a guy in a hat going... You damn beastin, you're a goddamn Vegemite runner. I'm gonna and just like shooting the sides of Vegemite barrels. And all this pouring into the street. You can't catch me, copper! Vegemite prohibition. It would actually be you can't catch me, copper. Call me copper. 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 Apparently though, Vegemite also has been the subject of quite a few studies. And these scientific studies, or so-called scientific studies, I'm not sure of the details of this, because I believe most of it is done by the manufacturers of Vegemite. Popping a menthos in it and watching it spray everywhere. (laughs) That's very, very messy, but, you know, worth a try. Actually, Uh, if you put a in in Vegemite, it goes nuclear. It's actually, it's actually really scary. It becomes thermite. It becomes thermite. It burns all the way through the center of the world. Don't do it, kids. Whatever you do, there are going to be a lot of very disappointed people. <laughs> yes. But try it anyway and then feed those Vegemite-covered Mentos to Americans. They'll love it. With a jar of mint-flavored Vegemite. So apparently they've done a bunch of studies that seem to show if you are not exposed to Vegemite, I think that's probably the right term, yes. before the age of three, you're unlikely to ever really enjoy it. Or be able to digest it. It makes sense, though. It does. It actually changes your stomach flora (laughs) at an early age. It's like irritable bowel syndrome. No one knows exactly how it works, but something happens to all the microorganisms that live in your gut. And the views espoused by David Harris about the wonderful product Vegemite are not the views of smart enough to know better. Please don't sue us, Sam. No, no, I think they should use that as a tagline. <laughs> what? Vegemite. It will... It's like irritable bowel syndrome. <laughs> well, it looks like it. No, no. Stop. Stop. No. 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 Interesting side of things. So it needs a lot of work then in America. It needs a lot of work in Australia, I think, as well. I think you're right, yeah. I, I would say personally, I'm, I'm trained as a, as a physics teacher, I don't personally think it's as bad in Australia that it is in America yet. But it, there's a lot of backsliding, I think. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, not a lot of money being put into it. Uh, a lot of weird things where children are not expected to do a science beyond a certain age. They have to do English and they have to do maths right up to senior. But some of the science, oh, well, that's, that's science. I had so many children tell me, oh, science is boring. And you go, how can the creation how the universe is created now the universe sits together be boring mm. it's such an odd thing but I think it's because we try and we as in the scientific community have been putting it forward as a um, 
a very dry thing. It's very facts and figures and boring. So I'm really excited when someone like you wants to make it creative. D- to be honest, I became a physicist, but I wasn't particularly excited by physics in school. I-, I had some fantastic teachers, and that's the only reason why I found it interesting then, until I happened to get into to some things where I got pushed to, to the real ideas of, of physics, and that was through the International Science Olympiad mm-hmm. and the Physics Olympiad program and, sure. and these kinds of things. And I discovered, ah, oh, there's a whole world of this stuff that's really fascinating. And, and the universe is a really crazy kind of place when you start looking at quantum mechanics and black holes and all this sort of stuff that unfortunately you don't really get to talk about very much while you're in in high school Mm. but i definitely think there's room for a lot more of that really it's it's the last three months of grade 12 for this recently (laughs) and and that's what i was teaching i was teaching quantum mechanics to 17 year olds yeah and you're just watching their minds go but in a good way some of them i realized just went i oh i'm dead and other ones you could see them rising to it and go the universe is a mad and crazy place which is exactly what you want to point i think you should start with that i think it's a much better foundation for understanding the universe start with some you need to teach people quantum mechanics before they're three (laughs) (laughs) and then their brain flora and then they can think properly Probably. Or, or not. Well, the thing, what, what I love about it, if, if you... Irritable brain syndrome. <laughs> that's what... If you love woo, you know, I don't think skeptics society they call it woo, you know, the, the whole kind of, all the, you know, magical homeopathy and all that stuff. Mm. Crazy thing. Yeah, yeah. I find it really funny that people then don't like quantum mechanics. Do you go, quantum mechanics is kind of like, it's a weaponized woo. Is that what <laughs> <laughs> But it makes, you kind of go, this is mad. Like, things are, I mean, can be in two places at once, and you can't know its direction, or so you can't know its momentum, you know its location, all sorts of stuff. And that just sounds like magic, really. And but, I, you can, but it's, it's got evidence. I think that's though another front of the war between science and non-science. Mm. I mean that people are you know appropriating some of these weird and wacky ideas from science and mm. saying, oh, this means such and such can happen, or this means such mm. and such can happen. Just having words like relativity suddenly get yes. misappropriated, or yes. the uncertainty <laughs> principle mm. gets misappropriated. Like Crichton uh, based an entire career on misappropriating well, yeah. yes. scientific yes. phenomena. And look where it got him. He's dead now. That's how part of the universe right. oh, back to star stuff he's with, <laughs> he's with his dinosaurs <laughs> what <laughs> oh I see yes, uh, yes. but may- maybe maybe someone one day will find a mosquito that bit him and then <laughs> and has bits of his blood and they can recreate a Michael Crichton or a whole Michael Crichton world you know, where there'll be lots of Michael Crichtons <laughs> running around you know what would be horrible about that they'd only been like the females so you have lots of female Michael Crichtons running around but Life would find a way. There used to be eight of them, but when he came in, he killed all but two of the others. Clever Michael. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, the goodies did this before when they had a whole Rolf Harris yes, world. Yes. Oh, bless you, sir. Yes, of course. Oh, yes, everyone, everyone race out and buy the goodies. If you're British, you probably know about the goodies. If you're American, you probably don't. If you like Monty Python, you're going to really like the goodies. And if you're born any time after 1989, you're probably going to find it incredibly dated and boring. <laughs> it's not. It's mad. Oh, and don't watch it if you're French either. <laughs> oh, yes. I, the, I, the Frog Princess. I sat the Frog Princess down and in front of the entire box set of the goodies and now whenever I put on anything she's like what country is it from I'm like it's British she's like no I'm not watching it <laughs> I made her watch the first episode of The Young Ones the other night <laughs> 
We're back. I think there is more to say about literacy. Good. And and it, it turns out that I think science is a victim of a bigger problem in all of this, and it's the idea of empiricism and rational thought. Using logic and actually looking for evidence for things mm-hmm. is what has gone. People have decided that hearing something is as good as there being solid evidence for it in a lot of cases. Yes. So that, that really hijacks any kind of rational argument. And I think this, I mean, I, I'm going to come out and say this hasn't changed. This is not different between now and the past. It's just that ignorance can fly around the world a lot faster. Well, what's the, the, the Terry Pratchett quote? A, ru- a good rumor can be twice around the world before the truth has even got its boots on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, it's only because we, the whole monkey sphere thing, Dan, you espouse the monkey sphere. Like you, yes. You only, you, you only really connect to about 150 people in the world, really, mm-hmm. maximum. And everything beyond that's a bit nebulous. Like, like you'd fight to defend your mother and, and your partner, and, and then further out, like, you'll help your cousins, and then after that, you start going, who the hell are these people? And you, you'll help them if they're connected, but if they're far away, like, it happens all the time. Someone gets blown up or dies, and, in some bizarre country and you watch the news and you go oh, how awful you, you know, but yes, yep. and that's as far as it goes you don't kind of go to arms and go and dig everyone out you know in Bangladesh or something it's, yeah. you, barely, you barely register it it's not because you're bad it's just because you can't care about uh, six billion people. Right, and there's also a psychological effect where you care more about one person than a group of people. People oh, find a way to care more about one person who's suffering, who is injured tragic, you know, terribly, and, and, and than, than, than 300 people who get hurt. Oh, and that's why, the, that's why the stories always, or like World Vision always focus on Maria. Yes. She has to travel like 12 miles to human. get, yeah. Yes. That's right, making it personal makes yes. it much more powerful for, and this is, you know, something that is known from psychology and, and being right. fairly well explored. I don't know that it's particularly well understood except in perhaps evolutionary terms mm. that you know it, it's related to the 150 people you care about you want to care for specifically yeah. the people closer to you because yeah. it becomes a survival that's uh, right. advantage in the, in the it was. so nowadays it's in the past you'd be living in a valley and someone come, come around and go oh Artan I found out that, that the cheese the moon is made of cheese and so uh, <laughs> well sir <laughs> uh, that seems like a totally sensible premise. Exactly right. So you, you go back and forth, you tell each other, the information came from the guy who came over, the shepherd who came down, or whoever it was. The, the, the Did you know, David? <laughs> so Let me tell you about the moon. And the equivalent of that now is, is, is tweeting and Facebooking and that sort of stuff. And I heard from someone that you get autism from vaccinations, which oh. is not true! Anyway, I just have to say that. It's, it's something that, that, that it's passed on because you believe the people you believe. Someone, if Dan tells me something, I totally disregard him because he's a lunatic. But if, but if someone else I really know and care about tells me something, you, 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 you don't go, I will find out if that's actually correct. You kind of go, oh, I'll believe that. And then later on you start going, oh, wait, that doesn't, now the evidence is all wrong. Well, You're offensively sceptical at times, actually. <laughs> I am. Yes, it is, it's true. Uh, it turns out this is something that I spend quite a lot of my time doing, is, is talking with various institutions about communicating in the modern world and how you do it in the internet age and all this sort of stuff. Right. And the idea that the whole information ecosystem is changing. We used to base our, get our information, base our decisions on trusted authorities or sort of on authorities and, and when it was just the New York Times as you know, held up as this paragon of, of excellent newspaper and you'd all read the same kind of source and you'd believe it and it was sort of the authority on news. Nowadays, though, people uh, increasingly will rely on what their friends say and it's why yes. what their friends on Facebook will recommend or what someone that they know and trust on Twitter will recommend. Mm-hmm. And so these sources don't have some kind of independent check of uh, veracity. So no. uh, you rely on your trust networks much more than authority networks nowadays. Yes. Uh, and that's, that's, you can see that in, in increasing in, in all kinds of different ways. 
I notice that in myself, just looking at how I, how I learn things now. Doing a podcast, I listen to a lot of podcasts just to understand what the menagerie podcasts are doing out there. So what the what the audio landscape? Yes, yes but, and so and I find that once someone, whatever podcast listeners, prove themselves in whatever area they are, and you oh that sounds right, and you look at oh that is right, and you get nothing but good information from them. In the end, I stop checking the facts, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. from that podcast, I will assume something, because I've heard it from that those people I mm-hmm. trust, because they're not strangers, they're now almost friends, because I listen to them every week, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's, we've mentioned the podcast before, not mentioning names, we have mentioned before, I got really frustrated, because I heard something and believed it, and when I finally went and looked it up, it was wrong, and I went, wow, I've trusted these people, well, and they were right 99% of the time, mm-hmm. that 1% was incorrect, but I trusted it, because... Because they were they were they were people who give me the right information, and, yep. and you can't you don't trust anyone, especially smart enough to know better. Thank you very much. See, we we put that on the label. <laughs> yes, <though>. we do. <laughs> you should always check and get back to us when we're wrong. Well, you think you're about skeptics guide to the universe? <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Don't worry. I, hang on, I'll cover for you. I think they're stupid. <laughs> there you go. Now you look better by comparison. No, no, I, I really like the podcast. They're just wrong in my heart. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I bet they're too arrogant to, <laughs> to, to accept that they're wrong true. too. It's not true. No, it's not true. You know what I fear? It's kind of this is stupid. But what I fear is now that you said that, I just have this image of damn, they're going to find out, and then they're going to send people they're going to break my legs. <laughs> they're like the mafia, man. <laughs> they think so. Anyway, we'll edit that. <laughs> oh, will we? Yeah. See, I think David's finally realised, gee, these guys really just do talk to each other the entire time. No, I think I knew that already. That's okay. I talk to myself. So we're, in fact, having two entirely good conversations <laughs> going on at once here. Thank God there's a left and right microphone. Speaking yeah. Of I, I was at a, a book talk, and I can't remember the name of the, the woman who wrote the book or the name of the book, but I can find out later. So this is going to be really useful information. But anyway, <laughs> she's written this book that's basically uh, arguing that the problem now is that so many issues, scientific issues that face us in society are so complicated that there's just no way you can judge these things for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of the issues associated with global warming are not in terms of the overall picture, but once you're starting to get some of the details, details that affect policy decisions, what should you do in response, you know, you need to know some of these details. It's just too hard for most of us to know. And so all you can do is listen to other people who you trust. And the, the trouble is that many people don't go to who you might have traditionally called experts, you know, yes. people in, in the ivory tower, you know, academics, or people who are actually doing the studies and doing them very carefully, or as carefully as possible. Instead, they're just going to any source they can get. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're listening to talk radio, or they're listening <laughs> to insane podcasts. Uh, there's all sorts hey! of things. And that's well, where they got burned. <laughs> he thought he was trying to slip them in on the radar. You can see it in his eye. He's like, I'm going to slip that in on these idiots. We saw you. <laughs> it's true. We are idiots. <laughs> oh, you know, we're all idiots on one level. That's, that's, <laughs> and that, that's what makes science so much fun, you know? We're, we're playing around the edges of our idiocy. That's, that's, that's what science is all about. I think it's in, in the past, people talk about the Renaissance man and how you, like, you could be good at everything. And though they said those days are now well and truly over, you couldn't possibly be a brilliant engineer and a brilliant quantum physicist and a brilliant chemist and a brilliant botanist and a brilliant... You could dabble, but, but you could never reach the pinnacles of these things. Yeah, okay, so I don't... Uh, I actually agree with you on this. I'm going to tell you what. I think you can actually be brilliant at all these things, but you won't be accepted as brilliant. 
uh, okay. in these things by the institutions now that the, the concept of expertise and, and higher degrees and, and you know getting more and more training and getting more and more specialised mm. and having to work your way through either professional systems or academic systems to get to the pinnacles of your field right. now that that's judged so so highly that, that people who might actually be brilliant in more than one field just simply don't have the time to oh, run the gauntlet oh, of all I these see. sorts of tests because there are examples of polymaths out there and even modern day ones who you know really do know a lot about multiple fields mm-hmm. and have ideas that are just as good as someone who is an expert in the field, a so-called okay. expert, but they don't get the opportunity to prove that very often. Now, I'm not saying these people are common, but I think mm-hmm. that they still exist. I don't think anything's necessarily well, changed in human nature or anything like that. It's just mm-hmm. that our institutions have become so strictured over time that okay. it, it's quite hard for, for anyone to prove that they're good at something. So, so, so like, go right back to like someone like Newton, and you kind yep. of go, well, I mean, he created an fluxium, which you can't even calculus. He, wasn't, he didn't come from a, a, a background of amazing education and things like that. Right. He became a brilliant, he was a brilliant doctor who then suddenly created calculus. He was a guy. Um, admittedly, he was a guy with a lot of background. But, you know, but anyway, uh, <laughs> without going there, he created something impressive and then and people accepted it because it made sense. So I kind of see the beginning. If some random person who was just very clever suddenly turned up and, and pointed out something new, do you think the scientific community would accept it? It's, it's a difficult one. There are many cases over history where it's not been accepted but mm-hmm. then shown to be right later mm-hmm. on. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a difficult one. And this comes down to not necessarily making arguments based on the facts, but making arguments the way that humans make arguments mm-hmm. you know you got to remember the scientists are people too and when they're wearing their their hat as a person rather than as a scientist they are persuaded by the same sorts of things that persuade all of us mm-hmm. and emotional arguments work better than than rational arguments there's just no doubt about that yeah it, it yeah. might be unfortunate in many cases but that's the way things work mm-hmm. that's true i stand corrected on the polymath situation <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I do. I do understand that. It does, I can see what you're saying there with that. It's getting a piece of paper at the end of the day. A lot of, especially. Um, I'm not talking about undergraduate degrees. Undergraduate degrees, I feel, a lot of times just teach you how to learn. I mean, all education teaches you how to learn. But uh, as in, you learn a lot of stuff. But at the end of the day, what you've really learned is to go out into the world, into your field, and then learn your field and work in that direction. Well, I think this is actually exactly where the problem is in much, so much education, and it's a big problem in the US. And it comes back to the, the whole science literacy question, and it's it's general literacy, that people aren't learning how to learn. They have this high-stakes testing where you just have to learn the facts that you have to regurgitate on a test. Mm -hmm. And they're typically not testing critical thinking and reasoning power. And that's the real problem. Mm. You know, education has become about cramming your head full of facts in, in far too many cases. Not everywhere, and there are great teachers out there doing mm. you know, fantastic jobs. But uh, it's certainly this big problem that you can see in the US with, with this kind of testing regime. It's really tough cramming so many facts. Mm. And, and there is no room. And all you do is then dump them. Uh, you, right. You learn something for 10 weeks, and then you dump it onto a piece of paper, and the teacher goes, A plus for you, Jimmy. And then you, you can convene forget a lot of it. So, you know, the reason that I think I became a physicist is because I have an appalling memory. This might sound like a not, bit of a non-sequitur, but anyway, the, the trouble is I can't remember all these facts. Mm. I would make a terrible organic chemist. I just can't remember all the things that you need to remember. And I'm not saying one is better than the other. It's just that in physics, it turns out, you don't need to remember very much <laughs> because <laughs> because in some ways physics is easy. You can just, if you can just work out what the, what the arguments are for, mm. for why something works, you can, you can read derive the equation sort of on, on the fly in your head. You understand yeah. the, a few basic ideas and it gets an awfully long way. So. so what you're saying is that all these physicists who are looking for the God particle, like this, this one defining particle oh, that creates oh. everything, 
is basically they're just being lazy because they only want to learn that one, one thing, thing. <laughs> and then from that they can extrapolate to everything else. Well, you know, a lot of physicists believe in principle you could do that. It's going to take... Uh, it's the quantum mechanics, I think, that sort of threw that in a lot of its head. Like, in classic physics for a long time, you went, ooh, it's like a big machine, and if you know where the cogs are, you can you can turn it back and forth, and you know exactly where it is, and suddenly quantum mechanics and everyone went, holy hell, that doesn't seem to work anymore, and you can't... There's, there's, there's chaos involved. And I still haven't given up on my little fulcrum theory. Oh, yes, the little fulcrum that theory. That the entire universe is made of tiny little levers. That's right. And places to stand. It's a wonderful theory. <laughs> hypothesis. Wonderful hypothesis. hypothesis. It's a wonderful hypothesis. Uh, not actually a theory yet. No, I, yeah. I have to do some testing. Yes, you do. <laughs> uh, on a subatomic level of uh, energy levels, we just can't actually get by hitting things with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's fun to try to find out. But he is petitioning CERN so he can get access to the LHC. <laughs> and they haven't got back to me yet. Isn't that weird? No, that's right. I can, I, I can hook you up there. Okay. We'll get you over oh, somehow. I, I would just love to hug the LHC. That's just me. No, you don't I mean, want to do that. It's, it's a kink. It's a kink. I like the LHC. You like that? Say that again. I like the LHC. Yes. No, no, it was on. I'm hoping. No, no, you can't be in the tunnels all the time. No, but you know, I very, was, I very secretly snuck up next to the machine when I was down in, in the tunnels, about 100 meters underground. Just gave it a little Did, lick. <laughs> that's excellent. I love it. Didn't someone get shot by a supercharged particle in a in a quantum accelerator? Or was that was a quantum. He stuck his head in. It was a rocket. Did I say quantum accelerator? I think he did. You come from the future. <laughs> Sounds awesome. So you're talking science fiction here, aren't you? What have you been reading? <laughs> yeah, there was a Russian guy. It was a long, long time ago. Now he put his head in it. He put his head in, in the in the way of a, of a, a beam of beam of. No, it's just a single particle of lead or something that was flicking around inside of. Yeah, I remember something uh, yeah. about this. There, you know, there are all kinds of particle accelerators. Mm-hmm. There are about twenty five thousand particle accelerators in the world. It turns out there aren't just the, the and the everyone is going to destroy the world. <laughs> no, just about any hospital you go into nowadays has yeah. a particle accelerator of one kind or another. Um, what? For nuclear medicine, yeah. uh, it, and it depends. Not all of them are generated on site, but people use proton beams yeah. in some um, cases, neutron well, beams, wow. uh, electron ones? beams. You know, there are all sorts of accelerators that, that are needed to do all kinds of different things. The thing I learned recently, which blew my mind, I should have known this, I, I, once again, learning this to teach kids this to kids, the uh, PET scanners, you know PET scanners? Not, not mm. your PET scanner, but you know, a PET scanner, that they, they, they do imaging inside your head. But what does the P stand for? Positron. What's a positron? The antimatter particle of an electron. It's, wow. That's magic science fiction right there. <laughs> and that's, that's not like, that's like Star Trek, Star Trek stuff, but it's in your hospitals all the time. Well, what's the point of quantum physics? Well, I don't know, it probably saved you when they found that mass in your chest and they cut it out. Like, that's, that's, it's, yeah, it's, it happens it's, all the time. That's that's antimatter in your body. That's right, doing its thing and, and, and using it to. It's just if you don't get excited, wow. that, you're dead inside. That's what I like to say. Yeah. Dead inside. Yeah. And so matter. so it's not you really. Know, so it's not all the scanners. Like a cat scan is is not no. uh, a cat scan is, is X rays. I once saw a cat scan of a lion. Really, a big cat scan, I think. Uh, uh, no, honestly, I did. It, 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 it was, it was, it was a lion. And animals. It was a lion with Pets a neurological problem. Yeah. 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 Doctors are infantile. That's what it is. Probably. <laughs> so, what do you think can be done, David, in America and in Australia what, what, to, to fix this? Is it just a matter of throwing a load of cash at things? You know what you should do? You should make a magazine. <laughs> Well, here are the three steps that will solve all our problems <laughs> while we're at Create World Peace. Go! You know, no, cash is not actually necessarily the answer. The US spends more per capita on education than just about any other country. 
but right. there's pretty clear evidence that it's misspending that money. So it's not just about throwing cash out, you have to do sensible things with it. I think we really need to get to a point where we are teaching people to learn. I think that is the most valuable skill that you can get out of education, so they can learn things by themselves. So what you're saying there is that we should firebomb churches and mosques. <laughs> is that... What I should get out of... Did you just put that through, you know, Google Translate yeah. into five other languages and then back to English? Because that's, that's a little bit different. <laughs> that would be wrong. God would smite us. That's right. One true religion. Thank you. What? <laughs> I don't even understand. Even, even I'm a little bit of gas at this point. <laughs> no, no, because what you're saying is that we need, to, we need people to be learning properly. And so faith-based learning, that's not help. It's, it's about logic learning. That's what, this is what we were discussing. Well, okay, so, so, so here's the thing. No, no, no. Should we kill the president? Is that... So, here's something that is known from psychology. So, I'm gonna, even going to try to put some science in your podcast, oh, believe it or not. So, it turns out that, that people are very good at holding two very different worldviews in their head at the same time. Mm. So, it is entirely possible that someone can have a religious worldview that doesn't match up with science mm. and a scientific worldview at the same time. And if they can find these different worldviews to different parts of their lives, mm. they can still mm. act quite capably in society and do all the right sorts of yeah. things by everyone else yeah. and we'll accept science and understand what it has to, to teach us about the universe. Yeah. But in many cases, these worldviews are in direct conflict. So yeah. it's not a logical thing. It's not a rational thing that you would have these two worldviews at, at once, but people are able to do it. And I think it's actually, it's probably a vital part of human existence that the brain is able to do this. Because yeah. if, you know, if we broke down every time we had two ideas that didn't really match <laughs> up, uh, we'd just be quivering messes of jelly on the floor the yeah. whole time. To be as kind as possible, because I, I don't believe in it at all. Uh, to be as kind as possible, I think that the human brain is a storytelling machine. We tell stories to each other, and that's that's how we evolve to to survive. Mm. So, and, and those stories originally would have been about where the lion is or where the food source is, and, and that's they, they were the important stories we passed down to our children. And then in the end, if, if you're saying, well, every year the, the the elephants come over here and we can hunt the mammoths or whatever it is, and this story grows, we always we learn from legends about these stories. Then of course we know about where the mammoths come from. You're going to start wondering where the sun comes from, or where the, why the trees die every year. Or whatever the reason is and that becomes a story and those stories grow and that's my honest opinion on that these are stories that have grown over millennia and then become gods or mm. that sort of thing and that's why we keep them in our heads because it's not they're not separate they're one's a story the, science is a story mm. it's just we, we make a story up we go I think that mass bends light it's a story, and everyone goes, "What?" But then you can get the evidence. The difference is you put it in, you get evidence, and you put it in underneath. So you go, "My story is now backed up with X, Y, and Z." But we still like the story. If you know what I mean, right. it still has to be a story to begin with. Well, all we can do is communicate in stories. I mean, even when you're writing complex mathematics down, it's still a story. It's just written in the language of mathematics. That's not the concept. It's some representation of the concept. All you can do is communicate these ideas from one person to another, and that's, that's really, a very good point. and that's really what a theory does: encapsulates some amount of information in a way that you can communicate it to mm. someone else. Mm. and hopefully that person can make predictions from it. Many of the, the myths and legends also worked in the same way. You could make some predictions based on the myths and legends. Yes. You, know, you weren't yes. told all of the of outcomes necessarily. Yeah, that's why existed a lot of the time. Right, exactly. It was a way of compressing a large amount of information about the world into some small package that you could remember and that you could pass on mm. to other people. The problem is when you start making predictions from these stories, you know, mm. they're like metaphors that get stretched too far, you know, and that's a simile. Hmm. <laughs> so anyway, uh, you, you have to be careful how far you push any of these ideas. 
Yeah. For me, the big one for that is, is the flood story, Noah's Ark sort of thing. And you go, there is definitely a, a kernel of truth in there. I believe, from what I've researched, there was a flood in that area of the world, the Mediterranean, and it was a pretty bad flood. And like, like we just had in Brisbane recently, if we didn't have mass communications and, 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 and the skill to pass these stories on properly, like we do nowadays, you would pass on these stories as in the whole world flooded. Like if you lived in Ipswich right now, your whole world just went underwater. And if you didn't understand the world was a little bit bigger than Ipswich, then you would think it was the whole world. But once again, extrapolating out to when they say the whole world, they didn't actually mean like they the world as they knew it, which was just yeah. the Black Sea area and that sort of part yeah, of life. Yeah, absolutely. Which is still amazingly devastating for them. And therefore, they had to remember it just because they were, good God, don't forget this because one day it might happen again. Don't build your houses below a certain level because God may crush you with a flood again. But once again, you, you can't extrapolate that out to, to the world and therefore extrapolate it out to religion as well or, or, or deities or whatever. Also, it turns out you do actually need two animals to make more baby animals. Well done, Dad. <laughs> Well, that's important. <laughs> yes, it there's, is. There's, that's there's, very important. There's learning in this here show. There's, that's much more important than the fact that occasionally it floods. Especially <laughs> if you need more baby animals. But the thing is, the story is actually there were seven of each animal. Seven clean ones and two unclean ones. Yeah, that, but so they, why would you have seven? That sounds like orgies. No, that's for eating. <laughs> so you're not going to eat the other two. So hang on. So the you're un- not going to eat giraffes, but you are going to eat the... Cloven-hoofed ungulates, or whatever the lambs. But 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 pigs. You have to eat pigs. You have two pigs. Well, no, no, you don't. Oh god, you don't. <laughs> you don't eat pigs. <laughs> you don't eat lobsters. Lobsters. Isn't that another? That's a, that's a Jewish thing you're not supposed to eat. That's as a well. pig thing. Okay, we're going back again. We'll, we'll discuss it later. We'll discuss it later. That's just what. We'll base the entire episode around. I, I, I know the pig one, so that's throwing me. I know the pig one. I'm sorry, David. Just, they, no, they, no, they, I'll, I'll just bear with you. <laughs> Lobsters aren't kosher. Are they? No. Oh. No, Jewish people aren't allowed to eat lobster. I didn't know that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, not allowed to eat fruit bats. <laughs> swan? That's disturbing. No one can eat swans, though. In England. In England, you can't eat the, the swan. They belong to the queen. Yes. You, you, and if you kill a swan and eat it, whew, the royal family's about to eat swan. Yeah, well, the queen's. Yeah. Queen's. The queen, uh, th- uh, now I'm not sure whether this is true. Uh, here we go. But the queen also owns our faces and fingerprints in Australia because we're a commonwealth. She, and that's why you're not allowed to get tattoos on your face or your hands in Australia. On the parts <laughs> of your hands. It's against the law. That sounds... Oh, I don't, I'm not sure I believe this. We're going to research this one. Yeah. Walk of shame. Walk of shame. <laughs> No, you're not, I'm not, I don't have to do a walk of shame if I start out and say, I'm not sure that this is true. <laughs> gonna, okay. Yes, you do. This is oh, probably it. slanderous and a lie, but I'm going to spread it anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's right, take that, Queen. I, I think she's a nice old lady. I think I personally think she's like the grandmother that I don't have anymore. It's lovely. It's, my grandmother died many years, both my grandmothers died many years ago, and I've always missed them. But I, every Christmas, my other granny gets on the television and get, like, does a little message to Oddly you. Oddly enough, <laughs> both from uh, ink poisoning from tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. That was Vegemite really upset there. <laughs> Mr. David Harris, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Someone sensible, finally, in this parade of nonsense. If I'm sensible, God help you all. <laughs> uh, if you're interested in, in uh, reading uh, Mr. Harris's uh, great works, please go to symmetrymagazine.org. And uh, look him up there. But also look him up on Twitter at Physics David. Which is much better than Biology David, who we had on last time. That guy's all hands. <laughs> Dan Beeston. I've put on my movie trailer voice, so you know how serious this is. 
Don't laugh at the movie trailer voice. It's the voice that says, he's a man, she's a woman, they're fighting for love. That sort of thing. In a challenge bigger than they could have ever expected. It destroyed the world with its epicaciousness, mythicity. And only a man speaking in that voice can say epicificaciousnessity. Let's but get on with this. <laughs> That's right. Dan Beeston, the challenge. Oh, God. We've been challenging each other once a month. Bi-monthly, I think. Yes, bi-month. No, that's twice a month. Anyway, we've been challenging each other. Semi-monthly. Semi-monthly. One, one, one after the other time with each the challenge. And Except then... annually. <laughs> It'd be sexed annually. Sexed annually. Sexed annually. Hey, that sounds my, like my love life. Uh, da, 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 da. Hey, that's, you can't say that in his voice. Anyway, we challenge each other to explain something simple if I'm being nice to you, or something ridiculously hard if you're turning it back to me. Because, you know, I'm a teacher, and therefore I know everything somehow, and though I really don't. Okay, so Dan, ready for this? This is it. This is the final challenge. I have 3.1 points. I have three points. Three points, but you get one more chance to yes. win. So Dan, or lose. Oh, my God, my throat is hurting. That's <laughs> what, I've just worked out why trailers are never more than two minutes long. Because <laughs> he'd have no goddamn voice left at the end of the day. All right. Oh, wow, that really hurt. <laughs> All right, Dan. Here's the challenge. Okay. Picture this. The solar system. The solar system. Yes. Which has a sun in it and oh, planets. Don't you... If you mention the heliopause, I will garrot you. <laughs> I'm not mentioning the heliopause. I'm not mentioning the heliopause, the helioshock, the heliosheath, no helio anything. Helio be damned. Because people will write in and go, we don't like what you do. <laughs> in that voice. Oh, no. Uh, we love you. We really do. That was a very oh, respectful, God. nasty that's, voice. That's the one thing where I've been closest to going, you know what? God made it. <laughs> we are Just turning my back on everything. We are bears of little brain. <laughs> we, we can't explain it. We can't explain it. You were wrong. Anyway. Okay, go on. Imagine the solar system. Okay. With everything in the solar it. system. Yes. Right? In the center of the solar system, there is a small star, a yellow star, it's uh, quite a small star. It's, Sol. It's uh, it's sort of odd. It's not it's, called Sol. It's not called Sol. It's no, called Chad. Called Chad. 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 We named the sun Chad. We named the sun Chad. So Chad is sitting there. It's it's odd because it's by itself. It's a little singular star. Most yep. many many stars are actually binary or trinary systems. Oh, I didn't know that. So, oh, damn, damn! Why didn't I ask him that? <laughs> so <laughs> that was your question. You failed. No. Dan. No, no, I didn't get a chance to answer. Oh, you caught me out with my own loophole, hoisted on my own petard. Now, Dan, imagine yep. the sun. Now imagine something happens and the sun turns into a black hole. Okay. Bang. Black hole. Right? Okay. <gasps> black hole. Oh, no. The sun become a black hole. Yeah. And it happens instantly. Bang. Boom. Somehow. Woo. Black hole. And, and we'll discuss later. But um, Okay. But it's happened. What happens to the solar system? Tell me everything that happens to the solar system. Not individually. Like, Ganymede would go that way. No, I want to know, guess what you sound like. Ganymede. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Dan Beeston. You, uh, you don't win the competition. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so, Dan, that's the thing. Sun's turned into a black hole. What happens to the solar system? Go! Okay, so you want me to answer this question. And if I get this right, <laughs> you I'll hold. have four points. Yes! Against your 3.1. Mate, don't drag this out, man. Answer the question or not. And if you get it totally wrong, then you lose a point. And if you sort of stuff around in the center bit, you only get zero points. Uh, Remember? Okay. I 
think I'm going to get this right. Okay. But just in case, I think there's some other things we need to discuss before oh, I get onto it. Really? Yes. Oh, damn you. All right, well, Mr. Phil Koenig on Twitter said of your description of a diode <laughs> that I gave you point 0.1 of a point 0.4 because I understood slightly more about diodes. Can I just say, before you go on and lambast me with our listeners, yeah. I did say I would not take a point. I didn't yes, say that. You gave true. me point one, but I was not. I was willing to take zero points. There you go. But, but. Okay, he says, your description of a diode is so bad, it's not even wrong. Lose a full point for all credibility. <laughs> now, that's fighting words. I, I do believe so. And I've been called out. There you go. Now, I don't have enough information at my fingertips about diodes or the, the ability to even digest the information. <laughs> so I haven't been able to substantiate this. I can't, in good faith, take that point away from you oh. based purely on his 140 characters on Twitter. <laughs> like, that would be like religion. Ooh. Dan's... Dan's you, if you just listen to someone who says something and just believe it without checking... Then no, that's true. That's true. Then I, what's I, the point? I agree. Um, look, what I'm going to say for this is my description was pretty bad. I admit my description was, was pretty bloody awful. From someone who hasn't actually looked at electronics for quite a long time. And, and then eerily enough, taking this job, I had to teach... Um, well, I will be teaching later on in the year diodes, ah. <laughs> electronics to grade 10. So I've been doing a lot, a lot of catching up, <laughs> a lot of research. And yes, of course I was wrong. I said I was wrong. Mm. <laughs> and by God, if a man denounces my credibility on national podcasting, <laughs> then I will stand up and say, you, sir, are probably right. And I am going to take away. Is- I have credibility, Dan. Yep. It's my honour at stake. But that's the thing. Yes, you, you say he's probably right. Yes. But you can't tell me why he's probably right. I know. Why I he's know. right. And he hasn't gotten back to us. Phil, I can't take a point off Greg until you explain to me why I should. And I will accept it. I, I, you, I would, you set us right, Phil. Help that's us. That's what science is about. Don't help just us. sit there, sit in your goddamn tower, your fucking tower, going, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You Help worse. us learn, Phil. You know what is worse? Not only is he sitting in an ivory tower, Phil is on his high horse in the ivory that, tower. That's right. In yes. fact, he's got a tower built on the back of his high horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah you go. So, Phil, if that's your real name. No, look, thanks, Phil. I agree with and you. And all I- of that is... On a soapbox. That's right. He's taking the high ground too. No. He's, he's put a he's put a horse on. He's got a high, high ground, a hill, and he's put a soapbox, and a horse is standing on it, and there's a tower on it, and he's in the top of it. In going, the tower. Just going woo. But I will accept what he says when he writes in and stops us. So at the yep. moment, I'm at three point one, and you're at three. Mm, yeah. But I'm willing to lose the point when he explains it why I'm wrong. wrong. Uh, credibility. Yes. I'm not going to have some man besperch my credibility. No. That's all I have. <laughs> But Dan, solar system, sun. All right, I'll get to that in just one moment. We had another listener by the name of Anthony B. Coates point out something very... Is he some sort of physicist? Uh, He uh, he used to be. Damn it! Yeah, he was a (laughs) physics student. And he pointed out that you made a very small but fairly crucial mistake. I made no errors! In explaining things to me. None! Point these errors out to me! About mass. Because the M in E equals MC squared yes. is mass. And now you told me that that was wrong. 
I have no memory of these events. E equals MC squared, you said, <laughs> is not the complete theory. Right. And it leaves out important information. Oh, I see. About momentum and so. Uh, yeah, I did say this. Yes, yes, I did. We established what that was. That yes. The, yep. the full one is yes. E squared equals M squared C to the four plus P squared C squared. That's one, yes. So the P squared C squared is the momentum. Yes. And the M well, squared... Well, P, P, P is momentum. Oh, but... but the, uh, sorry, sorry, the P squared C squared is the energy. It's the momentum of the component momentum. of it's, the yes. equation. Yes. The energy, the, the, the momentum energy. Yes. And the M squared C... It's the mass the four energy. is the mass energy. Yes. Yes. So the rest mass. Yes, yes. So okay. if, it, if it had no momentum, if it wasn't going anywhere, yes. it just had rest mass, that would be it. That would now, be yes. Right? What he's saying is that... In order to describe rest mass mm-hmm. as different from the entire mass of an object mm-hmm. that includes the momentum, you would put m subscript zero. Right, yes. So yes, m subscript yes. zero is rest, rest mass. mass. Yes, zero But velocity, what yes. he's saying is that some scientists actually say that the m yes. equals mc squared includes all of that momentum ah. energy. So when I said Ooh. e equals mc squared... I was technically correct. The best sort of correct. Yes. But when you described it then, you knew that the M was actually the rest mass plus the momentum energy as well. That was all the energy all put together. Uh, uh, I... No. Oh, really? You didn't... See, that's why I didn't give you a point, but I didn't take away a point. You didn't understand that E equals MC squared was actually... No. All right, so now that's all taken care of. And uh, I haven't actually put myself in any better position of leverage at all. And and the audience is full of rage. (laughs) I now have to explain what would happen if the sun suddenly became a black hole. Yes. Okay. A nice, simple thing. Now, (laughs) now that the eight-year-old boy in me desperately wants to say that all of the planets and everything in the solar system would get sucked into the black hole. Strange thing to say. Because that would be awesome. (laughs) The thing is, how does a star our size just become like become a black hole? Yes. You could do it, I think, because you can have little tiny black holes. A black hole is about its density, not about its size. Well, to be but honest, if, this, I will give you this. It is a bit odd question to ask because a, a star the size of our sun will not turn into a black yeah, hole. Yeah, it's not, not by itself. No, 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 no. So you're talking about some sort of weird alien technology yeah. that, that compresses, that compresses the sun our or some, sun. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. So it'll, it would have the same mass. Ah! But it would it would have to be it would be much smaller. So yep. So it'd have the same mass. Yep. So all of the planets would continue orbiting at exactly the same way. Yes. As it, as when the sun was there. Now about nine minutes after that happened, yes. it would get very dark on planet Earth. Ah. Nine minutes because that's the speed of light. So the eight, light that eight left and a half, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yep. The light that left the sun would still be traveling. Yes. So for nine minutes, we'd get delicious light <laughs> that was not being radiated by anything. It's true. Yes. Okay. Then we would still be okay, except that we would be getting no. It'd be dark. Energy. It'd be d- dark, dark, and all the plants dark. would die, and we'd all starve to death. Yes. But we'd be safe from Hawking radiation, which I don't know whether that does any damage, but it would come out the top and bottom. <laughs> you don't have to worry about Hawking radiation. Because it would be spinning. Hawking radiation would require, to actually put it out, Hawking radiation, the background universe would have to be quite cold. So you don't have to worry about the Hawking radiation way off into the future. Okay. So it, it would only start expelling theoretical Hawking radiation particles once the temperature of the black hole was higher than the temperature of the universe around it. Yeah. Because you're not going to have a cold object putting heat into a hot object. 
Yes. So yes. So it's it has to be the way. So when the universe goes, and that's really really low. So yeah, okay. I like I like your mindset, but don't have to. We don't have to worry about Hawking radiation. Okay, okay. In fact, I don't even want to explain Hawking radiation. Okay. On this podcast. Okay. We'll leave that to Mr. Coates. Now have now is that the is that, is that your final answer? I'm not. I'll give you more information. The original question. I yes. just want to listen to the original question. Right. So I'm sure you'll go back and edit it out, the, and you'll listen to it a thousand times, listening for each syllable in my inflection. So there's no. <laughs> so I just want to make sure that I haven't missed any specific okay. element of yes. the question. Yes. So if the, the sun became a black... question was, I do believe, if, if the, the sun, sun became a black, black hole, yep. what would happen to the solar system? Okay. So, yeah, all the planets and stuff would just continue to orbit. Well, hang on. No, no, there's more, there's more to answer from Is this. there? Is there? Yes, because comets are made of ice. Yes. And when they get closer to the sun... They, the heat from the sun, the radiant energy from the sun, actually boils off their surface. That's very good, they become yes. smaller and smaller yes, yes. when they're closer. So, 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 so comets tip, would last tip. for longer. Well, they wouldn't be comets anymore, would they? They'd just be well, big blocks of ice that wander around. I suppose they're called comets, but and then you wouldn't have a tail or anything. I thought a comet described its orbit rather than no, what it did. When they, it, they have elliptical orbits. You can't just have a big iron comet that doesn't no, no, vent no. gas. I mean, I, well, I suppose you could have dark comets, but I suppose in the end, like let's say Halley's Comet, it goes round and round every 76 years, doing hmm. elliptical orbits, whee, like, like periodic comets. Because yeah. you, you get long-term ones that disappear off forever oh, and yeah. just come back. I suppose... Is something that I whizzed, don't know how to define a comet. Now, if something whizzed past the sun that was made from pure iron and just went charging past, and we couldn't see it, it's not a comet, really. It could just be—it's just an asteroid or or I'm going to look that up or a meteorite going past. I'm going like, to find out how to define a comet. It's gonna, it has to have the tail. It does have to have a tail. Yeah, it has to have the tail. Yeah, like so a fox. In the end, <laughs> in, foxes in, have tails. They do. It's very good. Look, I'm science. <laughs> in the end, I suppose you'd have to say. A comet in the end would go dark. Like Halley's Comet, it could be possible for a comet to use up all its volatiles and no longer put out a tail, uh, become less brilliant as time goes on. Would that still be called a comet? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Mm. For, for another time! Yes. But it's a good question. Something um, for the walk of shame, maybe. Mm. I'm going to say a comet must have a tail. So I'm going for so the next walk of shame. I might be wrong, but we'll look it up. If a comet came too close to the sun, it mm-hmm. would be absorbed by the sun. Crash into it, yes. They crash into it. And they do, yes. And they do. Well, they crash into planets, like Shoemaker, Levy 9, crash what, into Jupiter. But the thing is, the radius of the sun, Here the black is. hole, would be much smaller. Yes. So some comets would actually swing in closer. They wouldn't crash into the mass, but because the gravity was the same, it would be closer to the centre of the solar system without being destroyed. So it means that some comets that used to get close to the sun would still exist because they would still be... There, because yes. the sun, it, yeah. wouldn't, it would crash, it, yeah. would go, it would whiz past a black hole where yep. it would have actually crashed into the outer atmosphere of the sun. Yep. Yep, that's fair okay. enough. So there'd be um, slightly more comets in our solar system. Now, <laughs> there is radiant energy coming from the sun in the form of solar winds. Yes, yes. And those photons stop. Yes. And so yeah, there would be a slightly less pressure coming from the sun imbued on everything in the solar system. <gasps> yes. The heliopause. <laughs> we could f- Bastard off. We'd just be streaming through the inter- interstellar medium. Exactly right. I was wondering if we'd get to that. Oh, so exciting. Oh. So basically, we just go, no more heliopause. No more heliopause. No more heliosheath. No more heliobshock. Nothing. All gone oh. now. The bow wave. Because nothing, nothing for shock against. It's it nothing would, pushing out. It would kind of start to ease back in. Well, it would just, it would, if it just disappeared, suddenly you just have a, the interstellar medium charging out from the, from, from the outside. As it's traveling through the galactic medium, the interstellar medium, yeah. then it would just disappear. It wouldn't be there. There'd be no more pressure. So after how, how long it takes for the, for the solar wind to get to the out, outskirts of the solar system, mm-hmm. the, after that period of time, then 
pretty much everything behind that will, of course, be interstellar medium. Yeah. Just be channeling the interstellar medium. Yep. And there would be no more solar flares, so our satellites would be fine. <laughs> no more sunburn. That's good. That'd be good, yes. Yep. Yep. Got the... Oh, has he got it all? Oh. Um, it's fun. <laughs> I like this. And it would be harder for aliens to find. <laughs> We'd be protected from bad aliens. Is that your final answer, Dan Beeston? For one whole point, zero points, or negative one points. You what, know what would happen to the solar system if the if sun, sun turned into a black, a black hole? Yes. Dan Beeston. Yeah. I'm going to have to, at this point, though it will really make someone very sad. <laughs> I will give you one point! Yay! Because there would be no change if the mass of the sun was still there. The planets would still whiz around. You went into the heliopause thing, which I would have given you a point anyway. Uh, the comet thing I didn't even think about, actually. So that's very good. extra credits! So no extra credits. You get one whole point. It's the, I think it's one of the very few full points that we actually give out without any caveats of how nice we are. But yes, you worked it out. It's a very important... Uh, that and the Bernini effect. Yeah, the Bernoulli effect. Yes, that's right. Bernoulli. 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 Yes. Taking up a point for it. No, Shit! No, no, no. <laughs> you mispronounced it six months later. <laughs> got it. That's right. It's very important because I thought about it originally with the galactic center, which is where I got the idea from. Yep. People go, oh my God, there's a supermassive black hole in the center and it's sucking everything in. And you're like, no, it's, it's no, really no, no. not. It has a disk of material and, and there are, we know that there are stars that whiz around the outside of it and we know they're going really fast and you can work out the mass is like billions of tons. So people have this fear that they find out. They go, oh, we're going to get sucked into it in 25,000 years. You go, no, 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 no. We're going around the outside of it, an orbit, like anything else. So we think of the sun, if we have a black hole, it'll be the same mass, as you said. I love when the two galaxies crash into each other, and because they're made of little stars that are tiny, they don't even, they don't crash, they just sort of pass by each other in their gravity effect. Yes, it, it can be very... And so, was, yes. you told me that you had, were choosing between two, yes, uh, two I was. challenges. What was the other one? You, you, the other one was really hard. Yeah, what was the other one? <laughs> the other challenge I had was, okay, if you have a quarter inch of Fibro board, yeah. you can't see through it. No. You, you, it blocks the light. Yeah. But if you have a quarter inch of glass, yeah. can, uh, you can see through it. Why? That was going to be my question. Why? Oh, I would never have gotten well, that. I, oh, I had to take away an entire I point. Picked the, I picked the, it's bloody hard. It's like, and the answer is really quite, quite fun. And uh, that'll be brilliant. Because it's such a normal thing. But we're not going to go into it now. Mm. Well, we are going to start a brand new challenge. Yes, I know. You know what that challenge is? What's that? Finding a superhero costume <laughs> to fit you. At the moment, I'm at 3.1 to your 4. It could drop to 2.1. It could <laughs> drop to 1.1. I don't think it can go up. So <laughs> I will stand here and say at this point that, Dan, I give two easy questions. No, no, no. I'll take that back. I have given questions. I could have chosen hard ones, and I chose not to. I feel that science goes forward by learning things. Dan, you have won this competition. I win science! He wins all of science. Hello, Mr. Frog. Would you be so kind as to give me a ride on your back across the river? Well now, Mr. Scorpion, how do I know if I try to help you, you won't try to kill me? Because if I tried to kill you, then I would die too. For you see, I cannot swim. All right, then. How do I know you won't just wait till we get to the other side and then kill me? Ah, because you see, once you've taken me to the other side of this river, I will be so grateful for your help that it would hardly be fair to reward you with death, now would it? All right, then. That makes sense. 
Hop on my back and I'll take you across the river. You just stung me! You've just doomed us both to death! Why? Ah, it is my nature. Your nature? Your nature? You stupid f***ing asshole, we're gonna die! I'm a scorpion, it's what we do. What you do? You motherfucker! Since when do scorpions ride frogs across rivers? How long's that been in your fucking nature? Uh, um... Oh, and how about the fact that you're speaking perfectly fucking English, you shiny fucking dipshit? Uh, look, there's really no need to be like that. Let's raise the tone of the conversation, shall we? Raise the tone? Raise the tone? I'll show you fucking raising the tone, mate! You just struck me. Oh, I'm sorry. It's... In my nature! Look, now you're just being facetious. Facetious? Oh, well, turns out that when you sentence a frog to death for no good reason at all, then it's perfectly natural for him to be f***ing angry. Oh, oh, I'm getting dizzy. Ah, uh, I'm coming, Elizabeth. Whoa, wet feet, wet feet! <laughs> Welcome to the Walk of Shame. Oh, it's back, and it's full. The Walk of Shame file is bursting, groaning under its own weight. This is the problem with being mentioned on Wired.com, is that suddenly all these people come out of the woodwork and go, wow, you don't know what you're talking about. And we don't. (laughs) This is how you learn, Dan. Number one, in the last Walk of Shame, I pulled you up because you said octopuses, and I said octopi. Yes, actually, that's wrong. I looked it up too. Yeah. You mentioned this to me. <laughs> it's octopuses. Now, you look up online, you can say octopuses, or if you're feeling really, really ancient and, and gnarly, you can say octopodes. Octopodes. But most people don't, and no. they look at you weirdly. But and octopi is a hypercorrection. Yes. What an awesome word that is. So basically, it's people thinking they're being correct, yeah. therefore they're making incorrect by yeah. overcorrecting. They're too correct. That's right. It doesn't, it doesn't actually work. It's, it's got to do with Latin and Greek roots. And if you want to look it up, look it up. But it's, it's pretty weird. It's octopuses. Octopuses. One octopus. Two octopuses. No octopi. No octopi. Octopodes is needlessly semantic. That's right. Okay. <laughs> One of our listeners pointed out that I, we did a sketch a little while ago yes. about a bee who went to a doctor's surgery. Right. And accidentally. That's a good sketch. With yeah. a, with a <laughs> noise. And the stinger got stung in a human. Yes. And he was very sad about his wife. He, yes. He, he said, please tell my wife I love her. <laughs> Uh, I I know what this one's going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> turns out, <laughs> turns out that worker bees, the bees that sting, yes, are all female. Dun dun dun. Now I can't help but feel <laughs> that the sort of pedantic <laughs> shit who listens to steady, a comedy on. sketch. <laughs> Complaining about the gender of some talking bee, I kind of feel that that person is completely missing the whole but point but bees, of the podcast. But bees, but, can, bees can talk. Bees can talk. Uh, in dance. Oh, very good. Wiggle, 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 wiggle. And then I realised, <laughs> no, the whole point of smart enough to know better is to be needlessly pedantic and specific <laughs> and correct about stuff. Well, And I love the fact that that guy pointed out something that I didn't realise. Oh, was it a guy? 
Hey, I, was I, it a male? I think so. I, th- I think you made the same mistake you made in the sketch. Oh, God. I think it was a female. Uh, oh, well, maybe, no. more, maybe more than one person has told us this, but the one I heard from I, was, was, a, was a female, not a, not a male. Oh, no, right. So, so maybe two people have. But yes. I, I didn't, oh, there you go. That's very yes. interesting. So, someone, uh, someone got onto the forums. And, and you know what? If made... you find that sort of scientific inaccuracy in our sketches... Please do. Please Look, tell us. This is not about being correct. We say this very often. It's why we call it smart enough to know better. It's not that we are smart enough or more smart than anyone else. More smart. Uh, mm. It's that we're cleverer than anyone else. It's, it's a about, fact. Learning. It's a fact that we're getting smarter. And, and that we're trying very hard to get better. So when you notice something wrong, tell us. Tell us. In another sketch, we mentioned Archimedes' <laughs> principle. Oh, yes. And I rather foolishly said that the Archimedes principle of immersing something in water, uh, putting something in water, measures its mass, Mm -hmm. not its volume. Right. Now, of course, when you put an object into water, the displaced thing is its volume. Yes, yes. It's really obvious. Yes, that's right. it, it, It makes sense to your brain. Yes. It was so obvious to me that I assumed that there was something else going on to make it an actual principle. I see, yes. Okay. So, because I'm no, duh. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Archimedes didn't need to find that. It was obvious. Yes, but it's like obvious because we, we've heard about it. Like, yeah. we know about it, yes. And so, that was wrong. But, yes. as you pointed out to yes, me. Yes, I was very nice to you, Dan. Yeah? I backed up my old mate Dan yeah. here. My old if, mate Dan. If the object being put into the pool is buoyant yes. and sits on top of the water, then it will cu- it will push down. It will displace as much water yes. as the force pushing down on it, which is its weight. Yes. And at sea level on yep. planet Earth, its weight it- equals its rest mass. Yes, that's right. Oh God, rest mass. Yes, that's right. Its mass. So, so you can't work. Also, so, buoyant objects can measure mass with the Archimedes principle, and that's why ships displace so many million tons. So that's why that's they say this ship displaces ten thousand tons. There you that, go. That's its that's its displaced mass. Yep. So to the people who uh, told me I was wrong about that and that I'd ruined the sketch for them <laughs> by making that mistake. Careful Dan, careful Dan. I and, and just, you, just, just so we know scientifically density put a thumb in it. <laughs> density equals mass divided by volume. Just to get that across there, remember that. Density equals mass, mass divided by divided volume. By. Yes. You know the density and you know the volume you can find out the mass or vice versa. Indeed. And the last thing on the walk of shame, apparently uh, in a podcast recently, you mentioned that something was 200 degrees Kelvin. We can get 200 degrees Kelvin. That's fine. It goes down to negative 200. No, no, it doesn't. So it goes down to zero Kelvin. You can't go negative. So I can say 200 degrees Kelvin. What's wrong with that? Don't you just say 200 Kelvin? Ah, oh, damn, you're right. It's it's degrees Celsius, degrees Fahrenheit. It's just Kelvin. Zero Kelvin, one Kelvin, two Kelvin, three Kelvin. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's You don't say one degree Kelvin. You just say one Kelvin. Yeah. Two Kelvin, a hundred Kelvin. So 273 Kelvin is zero degrees Celsius. Right. Because that's... And at zero Kelvin, all atomic movement stops. I need music to soothe my soul. Well, let me... Show you a song that I really like. Okay. These guys are called No More Kings. I, I don't know how popular they are I've over there. I've never heard of them. I'm very excited. No one I know has heard of them. I accidentally stumbled across them once. Now, you can get onto iTunes and buy their new album, The Flying Boombox. Are Boom you a Box. member of this band? No. <laughs> and it's like 16 bucks Australian or something. Or you could just order the CD, like the, the aluminium and plastic disc. Good Lord. Order it for like 10 bucks or something. Ooh. With shipping, it ends up being about 16 bucks to bring it to Australia. Can I get just, one of their awesome shirts. Can I just point out at the moment, Dan, the Australian dollar is kicking the American dollar yeah, up yeah. and down the yeah, NASDAQ. Yeah. It's like, take this in the NASDAQ. Ooh. Ooh. 
one dollar and seven. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, you must be just be, must be laughing at the Canadian dollar, like from a grand distance. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. The Canadian dollar is doing quite well as well. Damn it. I mean, yay, the Canadian dollar. But yes, we just stand over. Yeah, it's, it's not like our dollar got stronger. Theirs got substantially yeah, that's, weaker. That's true, that's true. But anyway, I'm just rubbing it in. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great for buying stuff overseas. So mm. there you go. Unless you're American, then it's not good. But uh, <laughs> yes, the, the lead singer of No More Kings actually used to work as an animator for Disney. Ooh. And so he does all the designs for the albums and the shirts and Is stuff. Is he the one who put the, like, the weird single frames of pornography into Disney cartoons? That was me. <laughs> I had to do something with those photos. <laughs> of you? Oh, 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 no! My dignity! Wait, no, that, that left years ago. With no further ado, uh, here is a very exciting song from No More Kings. To look under the hood A slight malfunction doesn't mean I'm no good I won't be shut down, I'm not ready to die I said that I was sorry But robots don't cry The very thought of losing our lives Made me tremble Scream! 
There you go. Robots don't cry. And of course, the much needed song, obviously about Johnny Short Five. Circuit. Short Circuit. Thank you. Yes, Johnny Five is a lot. I was listening to that, wondering, going, is this actually about Johnny Five? Uh, yeah, nice software and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at women's boobs in a bath. Yeah, I saw your eyes light up yeah. when the very last moment of the song it goes, Steve Gutenberg. I think it's just the idiot clause. It's like, hey, idiot, it's about short circuit. So you slow guy? Yeah, that's it's just for yeah. you. That's for you. I liked it. Uh, why I liked it, even before I realized it was about short circuit, I liked the fact that it was a song about robots that wasn't like, we are robots and we are here to be robots. And everyone does that song that way. I mean, even the great Flight of the Concords do yeah. about the robots. and But they still do it like, we are robots. And, and you go, oh, that's nice, but it's been done now. Yeah. And these guys obviously went, no, we're going to do like a down, down, down kind of song. I have a real soft spot for stories about robots. <laughs> you, you put a dog, you, you, Independence Day? Yes. Where the dog, it looks like it's going to be hit yes. with a park house ass. When it, when it managed to dash into the closet and yes. be saved from it, I, gro- I was like, oh. Yeah, that's right. No, I okay. hate animals. <laughs> I hate all animals. <laughs> I, I, I just I, when that when the dinosaur ate the pet in Jurassic Park yes, two, yes, oh yeah, like I loved that bit. Old animals eating new animals. There you go. Take that, you filthy mammal. Yeah, yum, yum, but yum, they yum. always protect pets, uh, pets in movies. Yes, uh, yeah, well, pets yeah. always get away. Well, it's like children. Yeah. you don't want to watch children. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, so, yeah. And so there are movies, and you see poor Leonardo DiCaprio in Titanic. And, <laughs> she and, lost and, her pet. And and and, her, her and pet boy. What's, what's another sad movie? Somewhere where someone died, like beaches and stuff. Yes. Oh, or Philadelphia. Dying of, dying of a women's disease. And <laughs> Cancer is a women's disease, huh? And oh, look, one of those things. Some of them are. <laughs> some of the men can't get. Uh-huh. But, I, I hope you get it. Is, you, put, you put batteries not included in front of me. That's awesome. And that, I yeah. would just ball like a little girl. But for me, it's the, they're exactly the same. I think what affects me about the animal stories is the same thing affects me with robots, but like that sort of robot. Because you go, it's an innocent creature in, in a world not of its choosing, not of its design, and therefore it doesn't understand why everyone hates it. So it's like an animal goes, I just want to be fed and love, and a robot's doing the same thing for me. It's, I think it fits into the same niche of most right-thinking human beings, not misanthropist, sociopath like yourself. Uh, I'm going to put that on my resume. <laughs> well done, No More Kings. That's, a very, that's probably the funkiest song we've had. It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, it's very funky. Ah. So it's one you actually go back and listen to. And it makes you remember Short Circuit if you're old and crusty like yes. us. Those guys have a whole bunch of great songs about like Gulliver's Travels, <laughs> Night Rider. Oh, oh my God, really? Yeah, yeah there's a song awesome. about Night, Night Rider. And like, not, you mean like old Night Rider, like original Night Rider? Old, new, old Night new Rider. One, yeah, with the night, night uh, oh, the pickup truck. Oh, uh, and in fact, their first album is actually called Sweep the Leg. Oh, that's based on uh, uh, Karate Kid. Sweep the, yeah, yeah. The, the bad guy told the bad sensei told his bad student to badly sweep the leg. Yeah. Oh, so they did. Sweep, I've heard sweep the leg. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I've actually heard that song. That's they did that one. Yes, they did. We should all go immediately and listen to No More Kings. Check them out. You have been listening to episode twelve point zero of Smart Enough to Know Better. If you disagree with anything that we disagreed with and, throughout the entire episode... And you will. I hope you will. <laughs> then feel free to contact us by jumping onto the website and going to our forums. Just ranting in capitals. Rant, if you rant, can't register... Some people rant, have been having trouble rant, registering. Rant, if rant, you're having trouble registering, rant, rant, please do rant, email me. Rant, rant, Dan at... Stop it. <laughs> Dan at smartenough.org. Or, of course, more importantly, Greg at smartenough. Dot org. Is that it? I think that's a sign off. Steve Gutenberg.
You can swear if you want. We believe out We believe out F bombs. Yes. I try not no, to swear there were, there too much on my radio. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I figured that would be the case. Turns so excited to get me about various issues. Well, that's what we want. Yes. We want to get you so excited about <laughs> right. stuff. Like, if we can't get you swearing by the end, but we haven't done our business. Greg, Greg. It's not against time. What? I, I went, what? What are you doing? I'm miming on I'm the radio. Miming. I'm miming. I'm doing comedy with my hand. <laughs> Good start. Good start. Okay. okay. We have an interview. A brand new interview to do. Wait, wait, wait. We have motorcycle. Motorcycle. We have six mute <laughs> motorcycles. <laughs> to give away. With robots. Yes. <laughs> now with more robots. Woo! And aliens. And backwards zombies. Backwards zombies.